It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I am excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about the simple things that, uh, of the Word of God. Sometimes I think we get so, uh, maybe we're searching, you know, we're searching for treasure in, in the Word, and that's good. There are seasons for that. But right now, God's just saying, hey, come on, just uh, go, go get after it. Go out. Go get it. Go get it. Go do what I've called you to do. You know, every person has an important God-given role to play uh, in helping to fulfill the Great Commission. And, uh, wow, it's exciting. It is really exciting. I, I want to lay before you today the greatest challenge that was ever given to mankind. It was given by the, the greatest person that ever lived. It doesn't matter, no matter how wealthy you might be or how famous you might be, how brilliant you might be, or how powerful that you might be, uh, you're never, you, you can never give yourself to a, a greater cause that has more impact for all eternity than the life-changing call that God has through the Great Commission. Amen. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many uh, honors that you might have received or will receive, no matter what re uh, awards that uh, could come your way or achievements may be placed in your hand, nothing can um, even begin to compare to uh, the, uh, this command that the Lord has given to us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. He, he wants us to, uh, to help take his message of love and forgiveness to every person. Think about that. Every person. Every community, every city, every country in the world, and uh, make disciples of all nations. That's what he said. Wow, what a daunting task. Hallelujah. You know, I, I can honestly say that there's, uh, and I thank God for the privilege of being able to go into an area, into a village there in Africa that we were, had driven by. It was a Maasai village. It was off to the uh, area. They, they put a hedge of thorns around these things to keep the lions out. They, they bring their cattle back in. They're the ones that wear those little red robe things, you know, so they can keep warm, I guess, and they, when it gets colder in the evening. And, and they bring all their cattle in uh, to their village. And every time we'd go by there, I was just thinking, wow, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to share the gospel? And, and as we'd go by, the first day, there was a little boy standing there, and Sandy was waving at him, and she tossed uh, this, we, we take these little bags of, um, of toys and things for boys and girls, and she tossed this little bag out there to him, and he picked it up, and, and so on the way home that evening, uh, we saw, and we're, again, we're coming through the Serengeti, there's really no roads out there, and um, there was uh, a couple more standing there, right, and so she tossed some more bags out there, and, and uh, the next morning, you know, we're coming by, there's more kids standing out there, and so we're throwing more bags out. And uh, that evening we come back, and here's this warrior standing there. <laughs> he was the one that had that red stuff into his hair. I don't know if it's mud or whatever. And one of the guys in our van said, oh, there's a moron, a moron. I said, don't call him a moron. He's got a spear in his hand, man. <laughs> and uh, so he, they were all nervous, you know. So I'm sitting there thinking about this, and our driver got out and was talking to him. So I got out and said, oh, don't get out, don't get out. So I went up to ask him what the deal was, and they, he was saying, well, you know, it was causing some problems. We were giving gifts to some of the kids, and some of the kids in the, in the village, they weren't getting any gifts. And, you know, their way of life is that you share everything. Everybody gets everything, you know. You share everything. And so I said, oh, we're really sorry, you know. I said, well, I tell you what, we'd like to come to your village 
and give every one of your kids a gift. Isn't that right, Sam? And, and so we, we saw, we, uh, so he told us something, and we said, well, what would it take? And they were do all those different arrangements. They made arrangements, and the next morning we came, and I want to tell you, they had a welcome party for us. They came out dancing and all this stuff, and man, it was a big deal. We got some pictures of it, some video of it, and then the ladies came out, and they put on a big deal, you know. Finally, we got to go into the village, and, and uh, it was really neat to be able to go in and uh, they kind of took us around and showed us the different things, how they live, which was really amazing. They're the ones that take that, they'll, they'll take a, a cow and they'll, they put this uh, strap around its neck, pull up till that blood vessel gets real full, and then they'll take and shoot an arrow there and poke that, and they'll drain that blood into a big gourd and mix it with the cow milk. And they were doing that, and we we're going, I'm praying, oh, Lord Jesus, no, we don't want <laughs> to participate in this. And I think they offered it to us, and somehow or another, the Lord gave us wisdom on how to not be able to do it and not offend them. And, but it was a pretty amazing deal. And so as we gathered around, we were handing out all the gifts, and uh, one of the things in there were these little bottles of um, bubbles that they give out at weddings, you know, the little small things, you open them up. And, and so I happened to look over and and I saw a couple of the, the warriors standing there, and they, were, they had these little bottles, and they were looking and like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. What do you think? Oop. <laughs> oh, no. You know? And so um, anyway, as we're going through, you know, the Lord worked it out just perfect with those gifts. We didn't know, you know, we didn't know how many kids were going to be inside the village. We didn't know, you know, how many boys, how many girls, because we had bags, different bags. And the Lord worked it out just perfectly. He, he's all, it never ceases to amaze me. And so it was all going place, uh, taking place. I was just thinking, Lord, I just, I'd love to have just the opportunity, just a, just a moment just to share the gospel. And so I asked this guy that had been uh, interpreting for us if I could just have a word, if I could pray with their village and, and, and ask God to bless their village. And he said, uh, well, let him check. And so he comes and he said, well, the, the, the uh, chief would have to speak first. I said, oh, great, because we didn't know exactly who the chief was at that time. And, and so come back and things kind of started settling down. And so this man, this elderly man, got up to speak, and I'm not sure what all he said, and said some different things. And I was just praying for wisdom, knew that, you know, time is short. And the Messiah, they, again, they, they watch over cattle. They, and they think that it's been said, you know, they think every cow on the face of the earth belongs to them. You know, if they came to America, that, that's my cow, you know, because they think that's what they've been entrusted to do is, is take care of cattle. And so... Uh, it was my time, and I stepped up and thanked them for opening up their village, letting us come in, and we were just so grateful for it. And I said, you know, we serve a mighty God. And I said, and he must be a Maasai. Boy, they're high. They all look like, what? He must be a Maasai. I said, because his word tells us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> Man, they, oh, they got all excited about that, and I had their attention. And so I told about how that he... Uh, you know, that he had a son, uh, an only son, and that he loved this world enough that he gave his only son to die to pay the price for our sin, just, just spread the gospel out, just so simple like that, they caught it. They caught it by, uh, you know, because a lot of times they'll take one person from their village and uh, sacrifice in the sense of sending that one to, to college to whatever, to represent them and to, you know, to represent them on in the, with the government or whatever because they're, you know, they live way out and away from things and they caught it and I mean you could just see when it happened you could just see it come over their face and I thought wow what a wonderful opportunity what a wonderful opportunity to be able to share the gospel someplace where people had never ever heard it and then I got to thinking you know why should we who hear it every day you know what's the, why should we have that privilege when some people have never heard it once I want to tell you something, people. There, 
there are a lot of people out there that never have heard it once. You know, what's interesting is we're living in this country that we're living in today is amazing. It's changed. It has changed so much. And literally, I believe that there is a generation of people that have never heard the gospel. You know, their parents weren't in, you know, we got little kids now that their parents were, you know, uh, my kid, you know, my kid's age and, and they weren't in church and they didn't really hear the gospel. I mean, so we've got a generation now that of people that have never heard the gospel. We live in a world that, that's, um, it's just a radically changing before us. It's amazing. And the, and the hearts of mankind are filled with, filled with fear and dread and, filled with frustration and despair. You just look around and people don't know exactly what's going to happen and things are just changing all around us. You know, I think that, that as a whole, mankind has really uh, proven to be incapable of coping with the pressures of the problems of the time that we're living in. Population explosion. You know, seven, seven billion people now. We're getting close to seven billion people. It's amazing. Pollution, uh, of, you know, is, is rampant because of the world. It just is expanding as far as, um, uh, you know, marketing and, and engineering and, and manufacturing. There's a, a rise of crime and violence we see not only in our nation but around the world and with terrorism and, and that's just spreading through uh, the world and, and just pushing uh, ideologies on other people, uh, you know, the same old, some of the same old things like sexual rebellion. We got gender reassignment things now. You know, surgeries going on, and uh, but alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography, abortion. Those things are still rampant. Not to mention, you know, a widespread political and social uh, and moral decay all around us. We're living in some desperate times, some really uh, strange times, and. You know, maybe it's not as bad as it has been, but it's pretty bad that I, as long as I've been alive. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. You know, it was some pretty wicked times then that as we read the Bible. I think it's getting pretty close to that. But you know, the way that uh, as I begin to see this and under the direction of the Holy Spirit and just in prayer before Him and just praying for the Lord of the harvest to, to anoint and to send forth workers, I see that, uh, you know, what an hour for uh, Christians to become involved in the, the greatest spiritual harvest since Pentecost. I mean, what looks bad, people, can be the greatest opportunity of our lifetime as believers. Wow. What an opportunity to close out this age with the greatest harvest that's ever been seen, ever been known to mankind. You know, the, the early disciples, they went out and, and they changed their world and it said that they turned their world upside down, but their world was just a small little world. I mean... It, you know, uh, I think it was back in the 60s, I think, somewhere around through there or in the 50s that, that the world population was somewhere around 2 billion. Well, not long after that, it changed to 4 billion. I mean, it just doubled. I mean, it took almost 2,000 years or so to, or, or I guess 4,000 or since the time of Adam to get to 2 billion. And then all of a sudden, bam, and it's just been multiplying. What an opportunity that we have. You know, I came to tell you today that uh, the dark and desperate hour that, uh, that we're seeing in the affairs of mankind really is an hour of destiny. You know? You say, I know y'all are looking at me awful strange. I, I, yeah, I'm an optimist. <laughs> but I want to see with the eyes of the Lord as the Lord has seen it. And you know what? Thank God for that. I, I know God's going to look down and, and he can't stand to look upon sin. 
and uh, he's going to bring about a judgment upon the face of this earth. But right now, thank God that he's looking with his love and his mercy, and he's looking to his church and to those that he, he's called, and he's saying, this is your hour of destiny. This is what I've placed you here for. You could have been placed anywhere in history and in time, but God chose to put you here today. Amen. As I was praying over here, the Holy Spirit just began to just move upon me just like just a stirring. You know, he'll do that. It says in, in Genesis that, um, that when in the beginning it said the earth was, was formless and it was uh, void. And it said that the Spirit of God was hovering over it. And that was a sense of brooding over like a, a hen broods over her, her chickens and, and just kind of, you know, keeps them warm and brings about life over the eggs and stuff. And, and the Holy Spirit was just kind of rolling through me. And I thought, well, what's up? And it's like the Lord, he was saying, this day, from this day on, something's changing. Okay, so I'm thinking, what's today? What's today? Okay, it's Sunday, July, July 16th. Okay, what, what's up? What's up? What's up? So I'm, you know, you and me, I'm kind of looking. I'm thinking, okay, let's see, uh, 16th, 16 and 7. July is 7, and 16 that's 23. I'm 23. That don't mean that mean anything. 23, and and we're in the uh, let's see 17, uh, 7, 16, 17, and. Uh, Hey, add those numbers up. What do you come up with? 40. We were just talking about 40 and how it's a beginning and how it's a beginning. I didn't know that. It's like the Lord said, okay, now then. He said, I'm bringing my people out. I'm bringing my people out. From here, pastors are going to go forth. Be able to look back and say, you know, if the Lord tarries, you know, you're going to say, you know, on that day, something changed. I felt a stirring. I felt a prompting, rising up pastors, worship leaders, worship teams people, the intercessors to go forth to pray. When the Lord gave me a burden for this area, it was at a camp meeting in Topeka, Kansas in 1976, and the Lord began to, to just work upon my heart. I, I remember I, at that time I was working in construction, and I remember as we were building houses, you'd hear every once in a while, you'd hear people talking about Houston and, you know, how the Houston market was, you know, they're building houses, building houses. I think, Houston, what's... What's about Houston and different things? And then the next year, we came down this way to, to sing down to Texas City and on through and came through this little, uh, came through Alvin. I thought, oh, that's pretty neat, you know. I never dreamed that God would bring us down here. And as God began to deal upon my heart, began to show me that the Houston area was like a modern-day Rome of where every na nationality in the world is represented, I thought, Really? I didn't realize that. The Lord really kind of reminded me of that when we first started Light Christian Center and we sponsored a family from Latvia. You know, I didn't even know where Latvia was at that time. I thought I did pretty good in geography, but it was just because I could spell geography. <laughs> I thought that was a major accomplishment in itself, but I didn't really know where Latvia was. And, and you know what we found out as we began to help that family, that we found out that there's a community of Latvians in the Houston area of 38,000 people. Wow. Just start to look and see how many nationalities are represented in the Houston area. And God said, plant lighthouses all around that Houston area that will shine forth the light and call people out of darkness into his light. Modern-day missionaries don't have the time to go into an area, get acclimated to uh, just the geography and the people and the culture, begin to learn the language and, you know, settle in. It takes years to do that. That's how they used to do it in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, and that's how we've kind of done it. And, 
And, uh, you know, the Lord began to deal with me when we went into Africa about indigenous missions and training up people there to be able to do it. And so we were doing that, and we were raising up people there. And God's saying what he's going to do now is raise up people here that are from these uh, countries, and they're going to get saved, get a call to go back to their country. Now, that'll be a miracle because most of them don't want to go back, but they'll go back and they'll become pastors and, and teachers and, and uh, world shakers and do a mighty work fast. Boom! People, if you can see in the spirit realm, you're going to see something. Remember the old, how many of you ever saw a Bonanza television thing? And it'd start off with that thing in that map, you know, and it'd start the little fire burning. You'd burn up from that little spot on that map, and then it'd just break out. That's, that's what it's going to look like. And I think Alvin is right there where that little spark comes through. Amen. Oh, y'all ain't getting this this morning. I wish somebody would get excited with me. I said I came here to tell you this morning that this dark and desperate hour that we're living in, that mankind is facing, and they're wondering what to do about it. Hey, this is our hour of destiny. It's a time of unprecedented opportunity for Christians. Are you listening to me this morning? Man, I I wish there was some way I could just uh, transplant some enthusiasm that the Lord is putting in me just into you. I I I wish I could just do that, just transplant it into you somehow or another. I know that the Holy Spirit can do that if you'll just open up to him. This is the hour for which we were born. This is the hour for which we were placed here. To see, to open the, the eyes of the blind, the, the ones that are blinded to the things of God, open them, take them, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might take their place among those who are sanctified and begin to just win others for Jesus. Hallelujah. God gave this church a mandate. He said, here's how simple it is. This is how simple it is. Just keep it simple. You know, you've heard of the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) That's what the Lord told me. Keep it simple, saints. (laughs) Just win the lost, develop the saved. (laughs) Don't take a rocket scientist to catch that. Win the lost, develop the saved. That's all there is. That's all there is to it. Win the lost, develop the saved. You're going to be a part of that. Somehow or another, you are a part of that. You're a part of it now, but God wants you to take a a more active part in it. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring about creative ideas within you to know how to to go about and and to reach people and touch them. One of the ways is to change your eyes or that you begin to see a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it. Jesus was talking to one of the, 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 scribe, the Pharisees there, and he said, I uh, was asking him, you know, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Wait a minute, Jesus, you quoted that wrong. Back in Deuteronomy, that just says heart, soul, and, and mind. What's up with you know, those, the, the Greek can't even translate the Hebrew word that, that God used there originally. He says, you've got to love the Lord with all of your heart. That part of you where he comes into, that very vital part of you of, uh, that, that demands devotion and attention and surrenders to him. Love him with all your heart. Don't be double-hearted. Don't be split between your devotion and your adoration to God. He's our first love. Uh, Gabe was saying that. I heard him say it a while ago. He's our first love, and we need to love him. And when you love him, you're going to be, begin to change. You know, you're going to seek his face. 
You don't have to be told to, to pray. You'll be praying. You'll be asked to stop praying. And can I have your attention, please? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Uh, just, you know, you'll be praying. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love the Lord with all your soul. You know, your soul has your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, that part of your mind of where that is your, your thoughts and, and that creative part of you that, that uh, begins to uh, think certain thoughts. We need to think his thoughts. Love him so that we're thinking his thoughts. And that our will is surrendered to him, that we're doing what he wants to do, not what we want to do. If you love him, you're going to do what he wants to do, not what you want to do. If you love somebody enough, and when they say, where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Where would you like to go eat? You know, and then if, if, if she loves you as much as you love her, you'll never go in any place and eat because you, well, I don't matter where you want to, I don't. <laughs> that you begin to just do what he wants you to do. He doesn't have to, you know, slap you upside the head to get your attention to do it. And then, you know, when you're loving with all your soul, those emotions, you know, there's a, a deep inner rejoicing, a joy unspeakable that's full of glory that loves him. Hallelujah. And then he says, love the Lord with all your mind. Wait a minute, I thought the mind was part of the soul. Well, this mind over here he's talking about, uh, in, in this part, uh, about just, you know, uh, surrendering. It's that part of your thought life of where, you know, you're giving your, your mind over here, you're paying attention to here, and, and it's what you, how you conceive, uh, perceive certain things, your intellect. And, and that as you look at certain things and you begin to reason with that and you begin to say, hmm, well, maybe that is different. No, wait a minute, I'm going to surrender that part of me to God that says, you know what, I will make a decision, I will make reasonings in my life de uh, determined upon what his word says. Because I've surrendered my mind, my intellect to him, not just my thought life and, and all those things and, and allowing creativity to come to, but my intellect of where when I look at something, when I read something, when I make a decision on something, it's based upon what I know in the word of God. And all my strength Love him with all my strength. That's with all that's within me, love him. My eyes to love him. I want to see as he sees. That's where you see a need and meet it and you find a hurt and heal it. Your hands that, that serve him. It's with everything that you have, all of your strength, all of your might, all of your attributes, all the faculties within you to love him. When you don't feel like doing something, you do it. When you don't feel like going, you go. <laughs> You know, you just do it because it's all of your strength. And when you do that, it says you take the first step, he'll take the rest. You draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. You know, if you just make one step to, to him, he'll take a whole lot of steps to you. I don't know if you're getting this this morning or not. He says, you've got to love me. And when you love me, then you're going to see that this is the hour of your destiny. This is why you're here. This is the greatest and most important event uh, of all the centuries. Right here. We're here. You look back over history of all the things that have happened. We're here. It has brought us to this moment. It has brought us to this hour. It has brought us to this time right now. Wow. We're here. You know, it all started a long time ago, about 2,000 years ago, at a meeting on a mountain near Galilee where just a small group of men and women were, were, were gathered there, you know, and they were given a global strategy of how to take this message of love and forgiveness to an entire world. And it was to take it to those that are lost and dying. Wow. And, you know, on that mountain, uh, those early followers, 
they received the greatest challenge that was ever given under the, the greatest uh, power that was ever uh, experienced, the Holy Spirit, and uh, given by the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus, and with the greatest promise that has ever been recorded, which is that great commandment. I want to tell you something, people. It's a, uh, or the Great Commission. There's a reason it's called the Great Commission. There, there's a reason for that. Hallelujah. You know, he gave his disciples... Uh, and then through them down to us, he, he gave to us. Uh, and it's recorded there in Matthew 28, if you will open to Matthew 28, 18. I want us to look at this today, and I wish that there's somehow that you could get excited about this. You know, we could, we could talk about, uh, you know, uh, the times in Revelation where there's going to be blood up to the horse's bridle. And, and we can talk about the four horsemen that come. In the, and we can talk about eschatology and what it's going to do. But you know what? I'm, I'm planning on being in heaven during that time. I don't know about you. And see, you know, we can talk about all those things. But it, it's good and it's fun and I really enjoy it. But it ain't going to do any good if we don't get anybody up to heaven with us. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Why leave them here to go through all those things that's going to happen during those times? Those things motivate me then to keep it simple and go out and just win the lost and develop the saved. Matthew recorded this great commission that was given. And I think sometimes we just read over it so fast and he begins with all authority. I, I mean, I, I think he was just looking, looking at those, looking at them, just, you know, looking in their eyes. All authority. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Think about it. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to him. He says, therefore, go. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, that's why we are to go. He says, therefore, because I've been given all this authority in heaven and earth, go. In other words, he's saying that, you know, because I have all authority in heaven and earth, you can go. And there's not a thing that's going to stop you. No demon in hell, no, you know, no weapon that's formed against you can succeed because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to know, he says, I'm the one, the one and only, and I'm talking to you. <laughs> like the Godfather, I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm talking to you, and I am the one that has been given all authority in heaven and earth. There's no one greater, no one higher, no one broader in the, in the perspective than Jesus. All things have been given to him. And here he is, his last words, you know, what does he really want us to do? What does he really mean? What's it all about, Jesus. One that has all authority, that can do anything, that can tell us to do anything that he wants to do. And here it is, the most important thing to him. He says, therefore, go. Go. That's, in case you didn't know it, that means action. That doesn't mean sit. That means to go. It means get moving. It means move from here to there. From here to where? To wherever you need to be, to be his witness. Go. The one with all authority in heaven. So whenever you're going, if something from heaven, some uh, spiritual form of darkness that would come against you, you say, hey, wait a minute, no, nothing in heaven is going to stop me because the one that is the ruler over all heaven that's been given all authority in heaven has commissioned me. So uh, take a back seat. 
If you had paperwork from the President of the United States that gave you a particular written order to go into any department in the government to check it out to see what was going on, you look and you see. If there's anything, you report back to him. As you walked into that door, they said, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Who do you think you are? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> the one with all authority over the government has commissioned me to, to go. They go into this door right here and they check it out. And they say, oh, okay, now come, come on. Wherever you, go, you choose to go, you go. Did you catch that? Wherever he sends you to go, you go. Nothing can stop you. That means even you shouldn't be able to stop you. Oh, I just don't feel like it today. Oh, excuse me. Wait a minute. So you're overriding the one with all authority? Not only in heaven, but here on earth. And you're here on earth. And so you ain't going to go because you're stopping yourself from going? Oh, boy. Now I'm starting to meddle instead of preach. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He didn't suggest it. He commanded it. He commissioned us. He he didn't say when you feel like it or when you get this or when you get that and when you've got so far in your job or when you got so much money or you've done this or you've done that and when you've checked off these things. Then if, you, you know, if you're really excited about it, go. He didn't even ask if you were excited or not. He didn't ask us anything. He just said, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. You don't talk about it. <laughs> you don't have to, have, have to even think about it. You go. David Shibley, uh, a childhood friend who uh, is a tremendous revival uh, or evangelist. And we need to have D David down. What a preacher. Man, this guy, he can preach the paint off the walls. He's just a, an amazing guy. He said that he was, had met someone in the, uh, in the airport. He, he travels a lot. He, flies over. he trains pastors and missionaries and commissions them and he was in the airport, and they were talking, and, and he said he, he looked over. This guy was sitting there, and, and so uh, he kind of noticed him again. And so he told the guy, he was talking, he said, excuse me just for a second. So he went over and sat down by this guy, and he just simply just started a conversation with him. You know, I don't know. He might have just said, hey, man, um, I'm David Shibley. Let me sit down in that little seat there at the little cafe thing in the airport. He says, just maybe just a simple question like, has anybody ever told you that God loves you? You know, and, and let that open up a conversation. I don't know what he, but pretty soon they bowed their head right there in the airport at that little cafe area in that airport, and he led that man to the Lord and came back down and sat down by the friend he was talking to, and the guy said, did the Lord tell you to do that? And he says, he didn't tell me not to. <laughs> you th should we have to be told? He already told us. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I go. And he didn't change that. He didn't take it back. He said, go. You don't have to ask permission from him to go. You just go. Wow. You know, I've never had anybody refuse to, uh, to have prayer. And, of course, the Lord gave me a little bit of insight about this a long time ago. In hospitals, we go in. And sometimes we'll just pray with people. I mean, maybe we'll feel led to go in. And if... Maybe there's somebody that hadn't been visited or whatever. Usually what I'll go in and say, hi, how are you doing? I'm Paul Golden. Uh, would you like to have a little word of prayer? See, you, you start out by, it's just subtle, but, a, and a little word of prayer. I mean, nobody minds a, a little word of prayer, right? A little word of prayer. And you know what? It doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. <laughs> you know, it, there's power in it. And people, just look for opportunities. 
Look for opportunities. Wow. All, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, therefore, go. Go. And make disciples. Look up that word make. Make. That means to take something like this and change it to something else. And sometimes it means radically and forcefully make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Not some of them, but all nations. Wow. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not everything that the leaders of the denomination send down and this is what you're going to preach this week or like when we were in China, what the government approves and filters through your sermon, that's what they permit you to preach to our people that are listening in China. We're praying for you to have boldness to preach what God, what I have commanded you is what he said. Teaching, teaching them, he says, uh, uh, all things, he says, uh, uh, them to obey everything not just some of it, but everything that I have commanded. Wow. And surely, you can count on it. No doubt about it, I am with you always. Always. Man, he's an ever-present help in our time of need. You want to make sure that you know that he's always with you? Then go. Go into the harvest just be a witnesser for him. And you know what? You have the assurance that he's always with you. Now, he might not be with you in some of the places that you're going. Hello. He might say, well, you know what? I guess I'll just wait out here. <laughs> Uh-oh. You ever felt like you were in some place where the Lord wasn't with you? Now, he might kind of slide in there to kind of watch over you a little bit. But, you know, where that might not be where he really wanted you to be. Hello. Not where he called you to be. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the what? Age. Didn't say world, but age. The end of the age. People, he's still with us. We're down, I believe we're down to the end of the age. This calling, this commission that he gave with all the authority that he had, it's come through the ages, and there's been some tremendous things happen down through the ages. But people, he's with us right now, and I think that it's just that push. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe gave reference to, I mentioned the other night about running. I used to do some long-distance running. Maybe that's why I have two titanium hips now. I don't know. But, and I just remember that sometimes, you know, you got to get in. When you're running, you know, four, five, six miles, that's about as far as I know some of you guys really run long ways. But, you know, you're kind of out through there, and maybe you're kind of in the middle, and you don't really know. I mean, you don't have a, you know, a, a, a mileage thing right here in front of you. You know, I guess sometimes you could. Maybe if you look now, we've got all kinds of these little sports gadget things, but you just kind of get to know it. And it's when you just feel so tired and your legs feel so heavy and there's a burning and, and when you're breathing, it's burning deep. I think I'm trying to remember way back there when I used to do that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you kind of come around an area and you know, hey, wait a minute, I'm, about, I'm only about a mile and a half away. Wait, I, I'm getting close. And, and then it's like, okay, you know. And it's, uh, you know, maybe I don't know where other people catch their second wind, but there was something that you catch there that you say, you know what, I can make this. I can make it from here. I can see the end. When sometimes when you can't see the end, it's kind of hard to kind of push. But when you can see the end, you can push. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. 
I tell you, it's time to press, people. It's time to push. I, I think we can see the end from here. Hallelujah. And he says, I'm with you to the end of the age. He's with us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. Hallelujah. So there, at that meeting on that mountain close to Galilee, with that small group of men and women who were gathered there, they accepted this global commission and strategy to take this message from the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world and they accepted it and it's handed down to you and I today it's our responsibility it's up to us now the ball is in our court now what are we going to do with it later on on the Mount of Olives the Lord gave the final word to his disciples and um, also to us you know as it comes down he gave right before he ascended uh, to the father and uh, Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says there, as he's saying these very last words to them there on the Mount of Olives, he says, but you, you, made it real personal, but you, and that means you and me today, but you will receive power, dunamis, miracle-working, mighty, that wonderful, wonderful, wonder-working power. We used to sing that old song, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Power, you shall receive power when, uh, uh, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when he comes upon you, when he, you know, is, is, uh, you're clothed in him and surrounded by him, piloted by him, governed by him, directed by him, you will receive power when he comes upon you, he says, and, and you, he's still talking, you, don't throw it off and say, no, he's talking to you, no, he's talking to me, say, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. He says, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. One who can give information. <laughs> One who can bring things to light is what it means. One who can confirm something. Can you confirm that Jesus went to the cross, he died, and he rose again? Can you confirm that? Do I have any? Can I get a witness, as they say? Raise your hand if you can confirm that today. That's all that, need, that you need to qualify because the one who has all power in heaven and earth has sent you and all you need to do is confirm that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross to pay the price for the, uh, 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 a sin-filled world and he rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Can you confirm that? Yes. How do you know? I know that I know because he did it for me. He did it for you. Yes, he did it for me and he can do it for you. I don't know about you, but I'm a witness. I don't need a seminary degree. I don't need all this. Stuff. I don't need this kind of training and that kind of training. All I need to do is confirm that what he said, he did. I can confirm that. He did it. How do you know? Because it happened to me. It's real, and you can't take that away from me. Somebody ought to praise the Lord this morning. He said, be witnesses for me in Jerusalem. He said, here, at your hometown, outside your front door. How are you doing with that? How's that working for you? Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? In your hometown, in your neighborhood, you know, in, in your Jerusalem, be a witness. And he says, in all Judea. Now, Morgan said that they're going to camp right now with the youth. But he said, I, I caused a lot of problems last week. 
because I, I said there wasn't nothing special about salt water. And he said, Sarah looked over at him and said, hmm. Because he loves to hunt. Or he loves to fish in that salt water. I said, I was telling her, I said, but no, I'm talking about going across salt water to go over there to witness. You can witness. She said, no, I already got it. I already got it. <laughs> the Lord confirmed it to me. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, you got me in a lot of trouble because I tell her all that salt water, you know, it's calling me and all this. I don't know what all he's got. But let me tell you, you don't have to get on a jet plane and fly to, to Africa or India or anywhere. You don't have to cross some border to go and be a witness. All you've got to do is step out your front door. Hallelujah. In your, your Jerusalem and Judea, the surrounding areas. Where are you? At Walmart. <laughs> Amen. Man, I, of course, Sandy didn't let me go to the store because she didn't like what I buy. <laughs> but uh, when I do, you know, most of the time I'm focused. I'm reading this, and I'm reading this. I'm going to do this. Is this one better? Is that one better? And all that stuff. Because I'm not really prepared because I don't get to go very much to the store. But when I do, you know, I try. And you know what? I, I, I got to think one time, you know, I, I haven't even paid attention. If, if there's anybody in here that I know or maybe that the Lord wants me to pray, I'm just all focused, you know, on this and that. You know, I need to be watching I need to be watching. Maybe there, I need to be a witness. I want to confirm something. Hallelujah. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, stretching on out a little bit. Man, he, you know, he wants us to just be a witness wherever he sends us. How are you at work? How are you, you know, in your, uh, in your community? What kind of hobbies do you have? Do you have a hobby? How many of you have a hobby? I didn't ask if you were a hobbit. I just went, here's the, this is the word of the Lord to you. Get a hobby. You know why I ride motorcycles? I woke up one day and realized that I didn't have anything in my life, no activity in my life that brought me into the presence of sinners, except for y'all, of course, you know. <laughs> I mean, John says that he says he has no sin, lies and deceives himself, so we, are, we know that we're all still sinners. But, but I didn't have anything that really brought me out of my little realm. I mean, you know, I got to where everybody I saw, everybody I came in contact with, was well, they were saved and, you know, you know, something like that. And I thought, wait a minute, man, I, I want to get out on the cutting edge again. And so get a Harley. <laughs> That'll do it. Hallelujah. People even come up to you when, you when you have a Harley. You know, they never dream. In fact, I have heard, when people find out I'm a pastor, you're a pastor? You don't look like a pastor. I said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, and get nervous. You know, I got a hobby so that I could get out and, and then just sneak in amongst them. You know, and, and about the, when things are going on, it's, uh, and let me ask you, has anybody ever told you that God loves you? Uh, no. Well, he's got a plan for your life. Really? Yeah. Can we pray about that? Right here? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, sure. Right here. Just a little prayer. Yeah. Hey, can we bless your bike? Yeah. <laughs> Bill, have we ever been turned down from blessing anybody's bike? Chris and Ruth, the first time we had really met them, we, we blessed, did a bike blessing. Did that get you? Yeah. You bet it will. You're riding on that Harley, and somebody says, hey, man, let's, let's bless your bike, of course. We had people, Charlie and I had people coming out of the, the, the biker bar drunk. You pray over this bike? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the bike's going to be fine. Uh, would you like a little prayer yourself? <laughs> I see you already got some spirit in you. <laughs> you <know. laughs> what kind of hobby do you have? 
When you're taking the kids to play baseball, are you able to talk to somebody? Talk to them. What is the deal with these Christians that think, you know, they read this part about come up from among them and be ye separate. You're not talking about those other Christians that are horrible and whatever, you know. But, man, you got, Jesus got in trouble because he went in to eat with the sinners. And, and, Nick, and he said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I, we're going to go to your house and eat. And everybody, oh, he's a tax collector. And, a, and, he, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, a prostitute comes running out and throws him in front of him. And he goes up and talks to her. Oh, he's talking to prostitutes. And pretty soon they were following him. Oh, got all them women following him around and all these guys that, you know, just that low-class fisherman. And, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, and that kind, of, that, that kind of people, he had people talking about him because of who he associated with. Amen. Pastor, you ever been in a biker bar? Absolutely. What were you doing in there? Well, I was listening to the band for one thing and drinking a Diet Coke or a Ozarka water. I told you that one story where I, I was pretty intrigued. We, it's when we had the Sportster we were going to give away. And uh, we're out there. That, what was that place out on 200 scooters or something like that? Out on 2006? Is that what that is? Or, and so, man, they were playing. I mean, these guys, there's two guys back and forth playing the guitars. are just amazing. So I'm going up there. I'm kind of at the whatever door thing they have there. And there was some, we just met all these people from Aquasearch or whatever. They go out and search for people, kids that are lost, you know. Equasearch, not Aquasearch. Equasearch. Good thing I don't talk much out there. They think I'm already drunk. <laughs> Equasearch. And so they, they would start, oh, hey, how you doing? So we're talking, and I was asking about these, these guys. And, oh, yeah, they both have their band, own bands, but tonight it's kind of like they're, you know, they're kind of doing a little competition. Wow, they're amazing. And so I talked to them for a while. I said, I'm going to step over here and get a little closer look. So I stepped on into the biker bar thing, over actually to the bar. I'm at this end of it, and I'm watching these guys, and a lady that's back behind 10 in the bar comes up, and would you like something? I said, um, yeah, I'll take a Diet Coke. And so she said, okay. I'm not thinking anything about it. I'm just being me. You know, I, I'm just, man, I am fascinated. These guys, just fantastic musicians. Pretty soon here comes this old biker in. Man, he is drunk. He, I mean, he, his eye, just he's, he comes up to me. He says, I see you're drinking a Diet Coke. And I go, yeah, man. I says, well, you know, I might get up enough courage and get me a real one here in a minute, a full strength one. he goes, He's just looking, I mean, just staring me down. So I'm thinking, oh, boy, now where's this going, you know? What's up with this, you know? And so he says, well, I admire that. And I go, well, I'm glad for that. <laughs> That's good. He's admiring that. I think and he says there's a lot of people in here that ought to be drinking Diet Cokes. And I'm thinking, yeah, and you probably ought to be one of them, you know? <laughs> and so he kind of hung out there at the bar with me. I'm thinking, oh, brother, you know, I can just hear it tomorrow in church, you know, Pastor's there in the biker bar, sitting up there leaning against the bar, and this old drunk biker right by him, he's probably drinking himself. And I thought, you know what? I don't care. Get a chance to talk to this guy. And I wonder when the last time somebody looked at him and come up to him and said, hey, did, did, by the way, did anybody ever tell you God loves you? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he does. He really does. Wow. I want to tell you something, people. That just sets me off. You know what? And it will do the same for you. Find a hobby. Like I said, whatever it is. If you've got kids, they're involved in something. Get involved in it and meet some parents and, and talk to them and whatever. And just find out what's going on in their life. 
there's something that somewhere, you don't be nosy now. Don't be nosy. Oh, Lord, help us. Don't be one of them people. You know? <laughs> but just be alert. See a need and meet it. Find out if they go to church anywhere. If they don't, we got the best children's program on the face of the earth. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, man, I got, I got somebody I want you to meet. Their name's Craig and Lacey Slimmer. Man, they are awesome. They got a children's thing that goes on at Light Christian Center. Won't you come with me? Let the kids go in there. They'll love that. You know, maybe their son wants to get involved in Royal Rangers or something like that. We got something for everybody. Find a hobby. Find something to do. You know, it doesn't matter if it's hot rodding. You know, get you a hot rod. Fix it up. Go sit out there, and, and Danny Red will tell you that you'll probably meet somebody that uh, is a loner, somebody that might be hard to talk to, somebody that needs Jesus, somebody that just needs a friend. It doesn't matter if it's woodworking, motorcycle riding, welding, riding horses. I don't know. There's a million things. Go hunting with somebody. Go fishing with somebody. Go do something with somebody that ain't saved. What, Pastor? Yeah. You know, find somebody that needs Jesus. And pour your life into them. Hey, you know what? That's loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know what? Hey, they need to hear about Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses. Not to be something else, but to be a witness. You can be a witness. You can confirm what Jesus did. I don't know all that stuff. I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit does. The main thing, all you got to do is just confirm. Man, he, I, he did it for me, you know. And you can just share what happened to you. I don't know all that stuff. Come to church. You can ask some of them people up there. But I, I don't know. But, man, I know he changed my life. I know he changed my life. Can't you do that? Man, you don't know what to do now? Go to the hospital. Just walk in, look in the book, and find somebody. Go down to the hallway and see who's, who doesn't have anybody sitting in there. Hey, how you doing today? They may know you, they may not. They, might, they may think they know you and they don't. Nah. <laughs> they might be picking stuff out of the, you know. Go in and say, hey, how you doing? Well, if I was doing any good, I wouldn't be in here. That's right. That's absolutely. Boy, you got a sense of humor, don't you? <laughs> and just go in there. You can find somebody. You can find somebody. Get off your blessed assurance and get somewhere. Find somebody. Wow. You know, if those meetings on those mountains hadn't happened, you and I would never experience the love that we experience through him and the grace that we have. Hallelujah. This commission that he gave is to everybody, every believer. Nobody's exempt from it. He didn't just give it to missionaries or to preachers. He gave it to everybody, gave it to you. And the simple thing is it's an awesome task because he said go into all the world. Now, how are we going to go do that? Nobody. No. See, the thing is, is he, it's designed where that no individual person can do that. It takes everybody. And that's why we have this thing that we're calling each one reach one. Because if each one of us reach one person, you know what? Hey. Man, first of all, we've done what he's told us to do. Second, 
hey, we're multiplying. He said, go into the highways and hedges. You know, it was down, down at this time, Jesus told this parable. Well, he didn't really say if it was a parable or not, but he told this story about a man that prepared a wonderful uh, feast. And he went in and, he, and he'd invited all these people, and they all had excuses of why they couldn't come, why they couldn't come. And so he told his servant, he said, you go out into the, into the highways and the hedges, compel them to come in. One part says, go find the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Those that are the handicapped people, bring them in here. They'll appreciate it. You know, I, I'm looking around. I don't see any wheelchairs in here. Uh, why don't we bring somebody that's, that's in a wheelchair? You, you got a vehicle that you can get one of those in? That'd be a tremendous ministry right there. You know, because I guarantee that there's somebody sitting at home right now that wishes that they could be here. Somebody wishes that they had a way to come to church. You know, all you got to do is say, hey, you know what? I can drive. Can you drive? You know, it might be four or five miles. I know that's a long ways. But, you know, maybe you could make that circle and, and bring somebody to church because... They would want to be here. Wow, what a deal. And Jesus said, go out. He says, and bring them in so that my house can be full. He said, this is the season that my house needs to be full. Why are we having this little church attendance thing? See how many people? No, huh? He says, it needs to be full because when it's full, every person represents a soul that is, that, that, that's saved, that's going into eternity now, that's not going to go into hell. Hallelujah. Well, we're, we're going to run out of time. And, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago, they said that the mind can only endure what, the, only, the mind can only comprehend what the seat can endure. So, uh, but let me just share this one little thing. I, I wrote this down that this uh, historian, Philip Schaff, said this. This is what he said. Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Caesar, Mohammed, Napoleon, or Alexander the Great. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke words of life such as were never spoken before nor since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he has set more pens in motion and furnished themes of, for more sermons, or, orations, discussions, works of art, learned volumes, sweet songs of praise than the whole army of great people of ancient and modern times. Born in a manger, crucified as a malefactor, he controls the destinies of the civilized world and rules a spiritual empire that encircles the globe. That's who we serve. That's who we serve. His name is Jesus. And if you don't know him, I'd like to introduce you to him today. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever told you that God loves you? And that he has a plan for you? Has anybody ever told you that? Have you ever received Jesus, God's son, as your savior? I'm not asking you if you know about him. You might know about him. But have you, do you have a relationship with him? Do you know that you know that you know that he died for you? That you know in your heart of hearts that he loves you. And you've received him. If you know that, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, yes, I do. I know. I am, have no doubt in my mind that if this were my time to step into eternity, that 
I would spend it with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you couldn't raise your hand this morning, I couldn't tell, but if you couldn't raise your hand and you're not sure, I want you to raise your hand now. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Are you here? Man, don't roll the dice. Don't take a chance. This could be it. This could be it. It really could. Because we don't have the promise of tomorrow. If you're not sure today, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm really not certain, but I want to be. You can walk out of here assured today that you're a child of God. Now, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, why do you always do that at the end of every service? Because, you know, there was a time in my life I'd heard about Jesus. My mama had told me stories about Jesus. I knew the stories, but there was a time in my life about 16 years old that I wasn't really sure. I mean, when it came right down to it, I wasn't really sure. And, you know, when I made that decision and I went forward, when I raised my hand, even the preacher said, well, son, you know you're a Christian. And I thought in my mind, just a 16-year-old boy. Now, I was a little bit of a smart aleck, and I thought, well, if I knew I was a Christian, you think I'd be standing here? <laughs> I don't care if you've been in church all your life. And I don't care if the people around you have been in church all their life. They might not know Jesus. And you might be just the one that needs to ask them, don't take a chance with somebody entering into eternity. Not receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, what about you today? Okay, Christians, that means that everybody in here, we've got a responsibility. Nobody's exempt from this. We've been called to go and to be a witness for him, to affirm what he said. Somebody somewhere needs you. Somebody somewhere is counting on you. You don't know who and you don't know when, but somebody is counting on you or you wouldn't still be here. God would not leave you here on the face of this earth if he didn't need you to be here to touch somebody. To touch somebody. And you might think that there's nothing that you have to offer. Oh, yes, there is. Because you're going to touch somebody, you're going to reach somebody that the rest of us can't. Some might reach multitudes some might reach one or two. It doesn't make any difference. We need to do what we're called to do. And wherever his message goes, lives are transformed. I told you a while ago that, you know what, I, man, I've been praying for revival. And God says, you know what, just start living revival. And I said, I, that's okay, I'm going to. And let me tell you something about this world that we're living in. Revival not only changes lives, it changes societies, it changes nations. So the whole thing is, is you've got to make a decision because we're called to be witnesses. And what I feel like that the Spirit of God is saying is each one for each one. But you see, you say, well, how do I do that? Just choose to do it. Make a decision to do it. I'm going to reach somebody. I'm going to reach somebody. Get up, don't say, I should or I would or I could or I, whatever, but say, I'm going to. I'm going to reach somebody. Each one, reach one. I'm going to reach somebody. Just begin to de declare that and keep it simple. 
just keep it simple. Don't, if people start asking you about all this stuff, say, I don't know about all that stuff. You know, but it doesn't matter. The whole thing is, is that, you know what? Jesus died for you. He loves you. He died for you. Did, have you ever received him? Just keep it simple. Don't get in an argument. Say, you can come and ask my, my preacher about that if you want. You have to choose to reach somebody. Determine that you're going to keep it simple. Everybody can do that and pray. 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 Prayer opens the doors for effective evangelism. Prayer is going to draw that person. So pray. Pray. Pray alone. Pray together. There's times that there's going to be multitudes of times to pray. Praise God. And then just invite somebody. If nothing else, just invite them. Bring a friend to church. Just bring somebody to church. That's, it can be that simple. Just invite somebody. Hey, come to church. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Afterwards, let's go get something to eat. Everybody loves to go eat. Amen? Say, so then we'll go out to eat. It'll be a good day. Do that. And, what, and expect them to come. Expect opportunities to open up. Expect God to open up an opportunity for you to, to reach somebody. When it happens, you're going to be so excited that it happens. And then, you know what? Don't stop there. Keep reaching. Keep reaching. And encourage people. Don't try to scare somebody into the kingdom of God. Don't take a 13-pound Schofield Bible and threaten them. Can you smile? I know it's been a long time for some of you, but just smile and, and, and just encourage somebody. You know, if, if it doesn't look like that you, you are enjoying it, why in the world would somebody else like to take part of it? If you're not excited about Jesus, why would anybody else do it? Amen? People, it's simple. It's simple. It's the easiest thing we could ever do. But I want to tell you, it has lasting results for all eternity. Now, you know what? I could have preached messages about all kinds of stuff. I've been doing this for 40 years. We can get deep, we can get wide, we can do whatever. But you know what's the most important? Getting somebody saved. Getting them into the kingdom of God. Amen? So let's stand together this morning. Let's join hands. And I want you to choose to reach somebody. Say, so I'm going to reach somebody. I'm going to reach somebody. Amen? Come on, Miss Sandy. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just stand before you to pray today. Thank you, uh, Father, that everybody in here today says that they're assured that they're your child. So we, we're having a huddle today, and we're finding out what we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> and we hear you, and we see our responsibility. It's not too difficult. We just need to go out and reach somebody. We need to see a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it. We, if somebody moved into our neighborhood, we just need to go see if they need some help. Take them a cake or something and just see how, how they're doing. Introduce ourselves to them and, and just uh, let them know who we are, if we can help them. Lord, if we see somebody struggling, let us help them. We can, we can be a helper. We can be a helper. So, Lord, let us help somebody and let us be a, a witness for you. Let them see love in us and, and care in us. Lord, uh, just open up opportunities. We believe you're going to do that, Father. We're excited about it. Lord, I, so I thank you for all those that are here. Lord, I know a lot of people are on vacation. and uh, Lord, last week we packed this place out, and this week 
we're about half full, but I realize that people are going on vacation and family times and stuff like that. We pray for them to, to be safe. But, Father, we want to fill your house for you. That's what you told us that you wanted, so that we want your will. We want to fill this place up for you. Lord, there's a lot of seats in here that, can, uh, that anybody can sit in. There's no, uh, there's no requirements, no matter who it is, where they're from, uh, what they look like, what they smell like, uh, how much money they have or how much money they don't have. Lord, we can park bicycles in, in the parking lot. We can park motorcycles there. We can park Rolls Royces there, Father. We can park BMW. It doesn't matter. We can park anything out there. Those doors open the same way for everybody. We know that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So, Father, let us reach CEOs. Father, those that are up and in, and let, help us to reach those that are down and out and everybody in between, Father, that we would just expand your kingdom. Father, we thank you for it right now. We pray for this church and the ministry that you've given to us. Thank you for Light Christian Center, Father. And I pray, Father, that those that don't have a church home, Father, would just make a decision to make Light Christian Center their church, this, their place, their family right now, Father, and be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.